the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this CropCast on winter cereal disease uh, management. And this is part of a series of uh, podcasts which will run through the Farm Advisory Service and will come out throughout the year. And we're going to cover uh, topical issues through the seasons. So we'll try and cover spring barley, potatoes, new varieties, some of the net zero challenges, um, some of the pieces around integrated pest management and trial results and soil health matters as they emerge. So today we're covering winter cereal diseases and the management options around that. And I'm joined by two colleagues from SRUC, uh, Neil Havis, who leads the crop protection team, and Peter Lindsay, who's a senior consultant with SAC Consulting. I'm Fiona Burnett, so I head up the knowledge exchange and impact for SRUC. So maybe, Peter, if I can start with you and you could just tell us how crops are looking as they've come through the winter and through the recent very cold and, and dry weather. Uh, yeah, um, starting then uh, with winter barley crops, uh, they've come through the winter and this recent cold spell, probably the best. They, they have continued to move forward. Uh, with the the more advanced ones being at the T1 growth stage now. Um, I suppose earlier on, before the cold, windy, frosty spell of weather, there was disease present um, at at levels that we were beginning to think might merit T0 treatments, but the cold weather put that in check, really. Um, It wasn't weather for spraying anyway, so... um, we've literally done nothing and disease level has probably decreased. Uh, winter wheat, they were a bit stuck for a while, to be honest, but um, we've had a little bit of rain actually yesterday, not very much, but um, just enough to to um, make things look better today. Um, there's a wide variation in the winter wheats. I think there was those that were sown in September before we had a major rain event and the first part of October uh, and then a lot of potatoes were lifted in pretty wet conditions and and some wheats were put in in less than ideal conditions quite late um, into November. Uh, So the crops that were late sown, uh, some of them aren't just looking too hot. They've had quite a hard winter, um, very hard frosts in January, then snow in February and then wind and cold in March. Uh, and hopefully April's going to be um, a bit better at the end of it. Neil, maybe we could um, think about what you're seeing in the trials. Is that kind of similar for the winter cereals to what Peter's seeing out there in the commercial farms? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So all of the trials went in a reasonable time. And as Peter said, the winter barley seems to have been carrying on growing even through the kind of colder periods we've had the start, since the start of the year. The winter wheat and the ones which went in late still are a bit further behind and they've just not really got going yet. I think they're just needing those warmer warmer temperatures to really kick in. But as as we're seeing now, I mean, Peter touched on it, he's had a bit of rain, but we're seeing in some of the trial sites that the crops are very dry. And we've had reports from Perth and Lanark that the crops could really do with a drink. So unfortunately, there's nothing forecast. So that could be 
a bit of an issue. Yeah, and I think that one of the features people are reporting is just how the cold weather has held back crop development. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood that now we're getting a bit of warmth is that growth could be fairly rapid yeah. and it will be a challenge, I think, to keep on top of of timings. Mm-hmm. So we could maybe think about then if we do it crop by crop, um, the winter barley. Um, Peter, have many of the T1s gone on to barley already or is that just happening and how are people finding that what type of products have they been using uh, so t1s have just started this week uh on the more advanced crops uh i'm using basically siltra um as the the product of choice uh to try and clean up any disease levels which are as i said before relatively low now anyway um along with growth regulator and if any herbicides are needing to tidy up any any broadleaf weeds that might have escaped and and manganese as well. And the point of that T1, obviously it's the most responsive timing in winter barley where it's worth making the spend. So that mixture approach that you're describing with a easel and an SDHI to get the spectrum of disease is probably quite a good option. Is there anything you would add to that, Neil, or anything we're looking at in trials? Yes, we know that um, Rhynchosporium is the big yield robber, and we actually see quite a lot of Rhynchosporium at two of our trial sites this year. Um, so you can see a lot, and it's even moved up to some of the, the newer leaves. So as you say, this T1 timing is when you really need to check that wrinkle. I know we've got fairly dry forecast, but if it, we do get rain and it starts to move up the canopy, it can really affect yield significantly. So if you've got wrinkle and if you walk the crops and you see that Rhynchosporium down there, then you need to have a, a robust T1 timing to check that wrinkle where it is. There's a bit of mildew in the trails, some of the trails as well. I think the cold, dry spell we've had in the last six weeks has checked that a bit. Yep. And would you tend then to come up the rates slightly for those very dirty crops? I agree that the trials were looking dirtier than I expected. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. There's no, there's no sense in, in skimping at this point because if it's not enough to check the wrinkle, we know there's a significant, for every every percentage point of extra disease you have in that winter barley crop, that's going to have a knock-on effect on your yield come the end of the season. And the the likelihood that growth is now quite rapid in the winter barley crops, the next one that we'll be thinking about would obviously be Ramularia, Neil. So mm-hmm. I know it's early to see what the risk in the winter barley crop is, but you could hazard a guess. I mean, we, we generally look to see what kind of conditions the crop experienced around about stem extension. So the kind of period we were looking at is, is April, all the way through the month of April. It's pretty dry. That's not going to favour the, the, the movement of the fungus. It may well have um, grown along with the crop earlier on, but if we get some dry spell, and as we can see the temperatures picking up now, if that stem extension is rapid, that's not going to favour the, the movement of the fungus. So... If anything, it's not looking like it's going to be a Ramularia year for winter barley. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying the same same as we saw last year, but this dry month of April, it's like, is this going to be the new normal? I hate to use that phrase, but if this is the new normal, it's not going to favour Ramularia. If we do, if you, if it does turn wet from now on and we think it might be an op, a risk, then obviously you're thinking about uh, River, Riverstar been your best control option for Ramularia. As you said, we've lost CTL. There's no CTL this year. 
So that is really your, your best option if you're thinking around the way it's coming. Yeah, no, in terms of efficacy, it's strong. Um, it's always yeah. important to check last application dates for your market because Revistar has an earlier mm-hmm. cutoff um, than the prothioconazole-based yeah. products. So would you still see the prothioconazole-based ones as being reasonably effective for crops that are going are low risk of ramillaria and going into malting? If it's low risk, I think you may get you may get away with considering just a a prothioconazole-based um, T2 spray this year. It, as I say, it's we know it's not as effective as a Revistar, but it may well be. It's a low risk year. It may well be a, a year you can you can get away with it. I always think one of the nice features of barley programs is that we've got the option to mix and alternate products. So we've still got strabilurins and SDHIs and yep. azoles in the mix. Obviously, we've lost chlorothalonil and, you know, the use of multi-sites. Um, it's now Fulpit um, as the option in barley. Um, do you see a place for that, at either the T1 or the T2, Neil? So it, 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 this is, a, this is a, a good way to start an argument in a pub is uh, mentioned Fulpit. It's, so it didn't do much as a single shot on its own against Ramularia, but there's certainly evidence from other countries where it's been used in, in two applications of Fulpit does seem to significantly reduce Ramularia in trials. Whether we see that, and obviously we'll trial that ourselves this year, but whether we see that uh, and see it works in Scottish conditions is a $64 million question. I know it's not officially on the label for Fulpit, but it does seem to have some activity. It does have some activity. And if you do controlled experiments with the fungus, uh, you can see that it does have some effect against the fungal growth, the Fulpit. Um, but if you go to consider using it and it's part of your anti-resistant strategy, just don't expect to see anything like the level of control you'd have seen with CTL. So don't, don't have your expectations too high. No, and your point being that the main uh, control will come from the prothioconazole or the Revistar. Absolutely, chemistry. absolutely. That's useful. And that we've picked up on the, the lack of chlorothalonil for this year. And if we move into the winter wheat crop and talk about that, then that's one of the most significant changes for this year. And the other one would be that we're now epoxyconazole has has gone as well so that can no longer be bought or sold although people may have it on farm and wish to use it up which they can do until October um so you know again if we if we look at the the t1s um in wheat Peter can you maybe say how many of the winter wheat crops got t naught fungicides before that and how much yellow rust or disease you're seeing out and about? Uh, I've only seen one leaf with yellow rust myself um, on quite a coastal farm. There's more reports of yellow rust probably around the coasts of Fife, um, which have had some T0s applied. But in the areas I'm in, I'm not seeing the yellow rust. And I, there's only one farm I've actually used a T0 on, which was for, not actually for yellow rust, it was just a really advanced crop. Uh, and we were needing to do other things and we put a, put a fungicide in as well. So, yeah, I think also with the cold weather uh, at the time when we might have put a T0 on, that 
there, it wasn't really spraying weather anyway, which probably helped make our mind up too. And then we've had quite a prolonged period with frosts as well. So yeah, getting suitable conditions to spray a, a T0, which was probably at best a break-even spray anyway, uh, the option was generally taken to just don't apply it at all. No, and a few people have commented that that cold, dry weather is better than any T naught anyway. So we've visually we've seen disease levels really drop. That's probably true for trials as well, is it, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't replicate the unfavourable conditions that the weather can provide for pathogen. <laughs> So obviously the T1 timing in wheat, what we're really trying to do there is target the final leaf three with the point being that then there's a short enough gap to the flag leaf spray. And often at that time, we're dealing with quite a complex mix of pathogens in wheat. So the main target is obviously septoria and that's the challenge. But for many of our crops, we're also thinking about eye spot um, which will be linked particularly to the early drilled crops. Um, there is a little bit of yellow rust around, as you say, Peter, um, and that's specific to some crops. Um, so we're often dealing with that spread of active. So, Neil, what type of chemistry would you be thinking about at T1 there? And how would you be setting about getting that spread of diseases? Yeah, I think you've got to look to the the all-round packages, and that's really something an SDHIA's all-mix is going to provide. I mean, people might think this is the, the low-risk year to gamble, just going cutting back, but I think if you, you want to be secure that in your faith in what you're putting on is going to control that complex of diseases you talked about, so really you want that, that mix. We don't have CTL, the cheap option, so think about that SDHI and these all-mix. It's going to give that good cover. Unlike the barley, there's far more case for thinking about using fulpit in wheat. We know it's far more effective, certainly against septoria. So you may well consider that, albeit it's not as cheap as CTL, but it may well be. Think about your SDHI azole mix and think about possibly adding a multi-site and T1 spray. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. So broadly, we think the efficacy of full pit is about 50% of what we previously saw in chlorothalonil. Yeah. So it's kind of worth remembering that if you want like for like control with previous year's programs, you're probably not going to get quite the level of control you previously got with chlorothalonil. But I do agree, absolutely worth having the multi-site in there. So it's helping with the control of the disease, but importantly, it's also helping with stewarding against fungicide resistance. So having that multi-site in there just makes it that bit harder for the septoria to adapt. And we've obviously seen that historic erosion in easels and a building picture of issues with the SDHI. That's right. I mean, if, 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 if you do walk the crops and you don't see much disease, we would still recommend that mix, but you might want to think about going down the rates a bit. But don't, I think going down the rates is far preferable option than cutting out one of the partners. That's far more high risk strategy to take. No, that's an interesting point, Neil. So where previously for a low risk option, we might have done an azole plus a chlorothalonil. An azole plus a fulpit is certainly a weaker option, so would probably be much less commonly used this year 
Um, maybe thinking about the yellow rust, Peter, would you be adding in a strabilurin to that T1 spray if you had active yellow rust in the crop? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they've done that in some of the T0s and it's worked quite effectively as well. Um, and from previous years, it's certainly been a help, um, but we've lost a lot of the other tools in the armory against knockdown and yellow rust. So I think uh, that would be a, a viable option. Um, but as I say, I think the cold weather has knocked it back anyway, so I'm not really expecting that to be much of an issue, certainly in, in my areas that I'm dealing in anyway. The other one that is worth remembering, and I mentioned it, is, is iSpot. So there is a link to the um, the early drilled crops there. And of course, many of the wheat varieties are now very weak for iSpot. Um, and it can be problematic on many of the, the Scottish farms. So maybe the key one to mention there again with the loss of epoxyconazole is that some of the previous tracker nebula type products that were particularly targeted at iSpot uh, won't be available to buy. So there's an option there to use them up if you've already got them. But broadly, the prothiaconazole plus SDHI options should cover um, iSpot. And again, you might want to moderate the, the dose to try and capture capture that risk. Um, maybe the other one to pick up on there, Neil, would be the rate of fulpit that we can think about. So fulpit is capped at three litres or so we have the option to either do it at full rate twice, so a litre and a half twice, or a litre three times. And there's probably no correct answer here, but you can give me one and I'll give another. Yeah, it's another one for starting an argument in the pub. I think um, I, I can see more. I can see more evidence to the three times a litre. I think than just two two shots. If you're going to apply something, you know it's got some activity. Why not put it in three times than just go twice? Could, it's going to be the same cost to you. Why not just spread it out? Mm -hmm. No, I would tend to agree. If you look at the dose response curve, it certainly drops below a litre, but there's a bit of flexibility there. And it does just give you that option to keep a bit of spare um, full pit capacity that you might be able to put on at three timings. And then that lets you use the multi-site to protect the other chemistry at you know three options rather than two. And then you run out of rope. Okay, so I think that's T1 broadly covered. Obviously, in wheat, the main timing is it's all about protecting that flag leaf. Um, and, you know, you've already highlighted if we're moving into a sort of norm for very dry weather at this time, Neil. But any thoughts about those flag leaf sprays in wheat? So if we're looking for that all rounder and it's with, if, if it does turn wet and September becomes an issue, you'd be looking at Revstar again. It's probably slightly ahead of the rest, but of course this year. Univox coming on the scene, and Univox is, is pretty much a, a direct comparator for the Revistar, so at least it's another option. And goodness knows we've been crying out for new options, but it's going to give people, it's a different mode of action, so it's going to give people a far different option. But again, it will depend on what, how the conditions go from now to flag leaf emergence. If it stays continually dry, it may be a repeat of 2020 in which disease, if it does come, it's only going to come really late and too late to affect the yield. 
but it's so it's again it's watch the weather and, and walk your crops no it's nice that you've picked up on the univox so that's obviously previously known as Innertrek when it was coming through the trials. So a genuinely new piece of chemistry coming through. So we can start to think about alternating and mixing in different chemistry. And I agree, Neil, it's certainly the timing for the the best of the available chemistry because that's where we get the best response. So I suppose other options would be things like ASCRA um, and, and as you say, the, the, the Innertrek Univoc uh, option. I mean, if, if rust becomes an issue, the elatus is, is quite strong on, on the rusts as well. It may be another option. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And at T1, it might be an option too, yeah. elatus era, having that yellow rust activity. So, I mean, I always like to think that even though we don't know what the weather is going to be for the next chunk of time, we can still plan out what the programme might be and try and pick different actives to those that we've used at T1. And then I suppose if it's dry, we can then moderate the dose rate slightly, Neil. Would that be a fair strategy? Yeah, that's, that's a, a fair comment to make. And like I say, it, it, again, it highlights the importance of getting more options. So Univox just in time. I mean, we know there are other new products in development coming down the line, but it's good to see one's finally made it onto the UK market. Yeah, no, we're so used to thinking about pesticide withdrawals and losses that to have something new will be exciting. Do you think growers will be up for trying something new, Peter? Uh, yeah, I've always find I've got a wide range of clients to uh, work with and some will be more interested than others uh, to try the new stuff. But yes, I'll certainly have some that will be trying it. Uh, but there'll be many others that will, well, we'll, we'll assess the situation when we get there um, as to what the conditions are like, as to how much money we think we can are required to spend um, and, and what the, the crop looks like. My gut feel is is that it will be a short gap between a T1 and a T2. Um, we're already a week late, later than normal putting T1 recommendations out. Um, if I was a betting man, I would predict that we'll still put the T2s on at much the same time anyway, and the flag leaf will come out at the same time as it always does. Um, so I think there'll be less pressure because we're starting our our um, fungicide program a week to 10 days later it'll probably finish at much the same time and the the, the pressure on the gaps i think will be it'll be shorter uh, than we've had in some of the last couple of years yeah no, that's a really good point to to pick up on um often we've had that cold snap between t1 and t2 and we've ended up with you know five weeks which can be really hard for uh chemistry to to cope with um, maybe the final thought for that T2 spray then, Neil, would be, I mean, again, you would be putting a multi-site in with that. You'd be including the full pit. Yeah. Again, again, you're thinking to add the full pit into just to bolster the, the new chemistry you've got. And of course, as you say, we've got new options, but we need to protect these new options. So again, you really need to think about an anti-resistance strategy. The last thing we want to do is get new products and then not protect them in any way we can and, and lose them too quickly because we've waited long enough. Yeah, and it's maybe worth flagging that for the Univoc because it's um, yeah. already been flagged as a high-risk product that needs protecting. So interestingly, it's the first example I can think of where it's a single-use application, which is 
very much putting the stewardship message where its mouth is. Um, so it's a single single use, um, which is very important. And I th- think it will be going out in, in various, um, they're calling them virtual co-packs. So they should be used uh, with other supporting yeah. chemistry. Absolutely. We, do, we wouldn't advocate this, this, the use of a single product in any in scenario. So. Indeed. And the other piece around dose, I always think there's a nice win-win for stewardship there in that if the risk is low and we can come down the dose of fungicides, that's actually a positive feature when it comes to stewardship. So it reduces the pressure on the chemistry. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think at the moment, if we look at the, the trial sites, Neil, it's the SO date is the biggest driver of the amount of disease that we're seeing. Uh, and the varieties yeah. are looking kind of semi at the moment but generally we would start to see those varietal differences pulling out and certainly on farm you know as we move into the season the more resistant varieties start to appear cleaner than the others is that a fair comment neil yeah that's a fair comment like i say the two trial sites which went in relatively early so they they say just outside edinburgh bulk all that was in and that's the most advanced i mean the winter barley's it's, it's past its head in 32 now, and you can see it's really starting to get up. So, yeah, variety, right? There are a couple of variety trails there. You can start to see the differences coming through. But on the barley side, we know that they're, they're not great in terms of disease resistance at the moment. There's sadly a lack of really good competitive varieties coming through for the major diseases we have to deal with. So. Again, it puts the onus back on the chemistry, but we need to try and get away from that. If we're thinking of really applying integrated pest management principles, we need to get some more robust varieties. I would second that. Peter, maybe a final thought from you is just what you think the potential of the crops are. I mean, prices seem quite good at the moment. Do you think an investment in uh, crop protection products is worthwhile this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, futures prices are, are pretty good. Um, and there's a wide range in crops, but the crops that have plenty of potential, yes, I, I will be happy to um, spend what's required uh, to ensure that we maximise the yield. Um, but there are some other crops that uh, are later sown. I can see them ending up with a two-spray programme rather than a three um, just because the potential's not there, um, they'll be treated probably more like a spring wheat crop than a than a winter wheat crop. But uh, yeah, on the whole, um, we'll spend what we need to to save it, but not try and not spend any more than we have to as normal. Thanks. We can check back later in the season to see how accurate your predictions are. Okay, that that's great. Uh, that's been a good talk through the the issues of the the winter cereals for this season. So, I think maybe just a couple of concluding messages that feature that crops have been held back and growth is likely to be very rapid now. So, walk crops carefully and keep an eye on growth stages, uh, and then just target the inputs to the risk that you're seeing and to the the varieties. Uh, and the situation that that you've got in front of you. And hopefully uh, disease management will be smooth sailing uh, this year. Thank you.